Amen. Did you have a good Thanksgiving? And did you have enough to eat? I tell you, there's something about Thanksgiving dinner. After you finish, maybe go up for that second plate. And then you sit down and there's this feeling of satisfaction, fullness. And I just want to sit there and watch a football game afterwards. Today I want to talk about contentment. But I want to talk about something different than... uh, just uh, the contentment that we have after we eat a good meal. I don't know why this is on here, though. But I want to talk about um, this idea of having true contentment that we can find in Christ. And what is that? You know, we're concluding this series on Joshua, and I just wanted to look at a few things about Joshua because I think there's a couple things that we see here. One of the things is that Joshua was a person that understood commitment and he also understood contentment. And when we look at Joshua's life, we see that at the end of his life, he's making this last statement to all the people that are gathered there that have been with him all of his life, and he's talking to them about what he has done for them and what God has done for them. And he's excited about this, but he's making also a commitment that he's saying, as for me and my house... We're going to serve the Lord. I don't know what you guys have done or what you will do, but as far as I go, I am going to serve the Lord. Now, not everybody was in that place that Joshua was at. In fact, when we look at the book of Joshua, we see some different characters. One of them, Achan, right up here, Achan, was different than the rest of Israel. Do you remember the story of Achan? What God had done was he had wiped out uh, the, the town of Jericho, the walls had fallen down after the, after the army had marched around it seven times, blew their trumpets and gave a great shout, and then the walls came down, and one thing that they were supposed to do was they were supposed to devote everything of the plunder to God. And then we know what happened to Achan. Achan would be our uh, golem. He saw something that he wanted, something very precious, When I saw the plunder, it says, a beautiful robe from Babylon, 200 shekels of silver and a bar of gold weighing 50 shekels. I coveted them. I took them. They're hidden in the ground inside my tent with the silver underneath. And what Achan had done was that he had seen the walls fall down. He was committed into the battle, but he was committed only so far, not for God's glory, but what he could get out of it. And there's a danger here. Achan uh, symbolizes a danger that we can have in our lives by not making a commitment, a full commitment to God, but only going halfway. And so what Achan does is he steals these things. The next battle happens, chapter 8 of Joshua, and they're going to fight this small town in Ai. And what happens is that when they attack the city, 36... Soldiers are killed from Israel. Joshua comes back to the tent of the meeting and he throws himself down before God. He goes, God, why did you let us down like that? He says, I'll tell you why. Because there's sin in the camp. Because somebody has taken some of the devoted things that were supposed to be devoted completely to me and they've taken them unto themselves. And so the lot fell to a family of Achan, and this is when he confesses. After he gets caught, he confesses 
This is what I've done wrong. No, there's something within Achan that he was not content with what God had given him or what he had promised him. There was something in his life, this discontentment in his life, that he felt like he had to take things in his own hands and take something for himself rather than trust God for it. I think we can all relate to Achan. We all have a sin nature. We were talking about this in Sunday school. Man, would we have a class in Sunday school because it just revealed so much of what our sinful nature is, our heart is like. It's very hard to get out of just a self-gratifying nature that we all have within us unless the Holy Spirit does a deep work in our lives. We understand that and know that. If you flip a few more pages in the book of Joshua and you come to Joshua chapter uh, 14, it compares another person, not Achan, but somebody else. I think you know his name. His name is Caleb. And the Bible says that Caleb was a different type of person than Achan. In fact, Caleb and Joshua were brothers in in the sense of their commitment to what they really believed God for. And so, uh, this is five years after they've crossed the Jordan River. Caleb has still not gotten what God had promised him. Do you remember Caleb marched through the, um, was a spy and spied out the land 45 years earlier. And when he came back to Moses and he gave the report, the ten spies said, There's no way we can take these cities. They're too large. They're too fortified. There's giants in the land. We're going to be like grasshoppers to them. And Caleb says, no way. We can do it. You see, Caleb had commitment. Caleb understood that God was able to do what Caleb could not do, but he would do it through him. Caleb had a different spirit than Achan and had a different spirit and different attitude than the other spies. And so Moses says to, uh, to Caleb, he says, the land in which your feet have walked will be your inheritance someday. And it's 45 years later. 45 years later, Joshua 14 takes place, and Caleb has not given up on trusting God, but there's something else that I think there's something that's even a greater quality that he has, and that is a sense of contentment in the waiting. While he's waiting for God to do something, he's content in what God is doing right then in his life, right then. For five years, he was in the battle of Jericho. He was in the battle of Ai. He was in many different battles fighting for the rest of Israel, And yet, this is five years later, and he's saying, I think it's time that I get my land now. And so he talks to Joshua, and this is how he frames it. Now then, just as the Lord promised, he has kept me alive for 45 years, since the time he said this to Moses while Israel moved around the wilderness. So here I am today, 85 years old. He's 85 years old, and he's still trusting in God. I'm still strong today as the day Moses sent me out. I'm just as vigorous to go out to the battle now as I was then. Now give me this hill country that the Lord promised me that day. You yourself heard then that the Anakites were there and their cities were large and fortified, but the Lord helping me, I will drive them out just as he said. 
And so Caleb has two qualities. He has commitment and he has contentment and he has follow through in his life. Man, this is the things that I want in my life. You know, there's some people that say, I want to finish strong. And I hope you do too. I hope you, as a believer, want to begin with God. Even those that have been baptized recently, you want to begin that step, but you want to finish stronger than when you started. Caleb is 85 years old, and he's still ready for the battle. He hasn't given up. He hasn't gone into retirement. He's still trusting God. And yet there's this quality deep within him that there's a rest, there's an assurance deep in his heart that goes below just commitment. It's an anchor for his soul. There's a hope. There's a thing that he sees things that nobody else sees. He believes things that nobody else believes because the Holy Spirit is at work in his life. And that's exactly the key to contentment in our lives. That's the key to contentment in our lives. You know, there's a scripture that says in Proverbs 15, 15, it says this, for the despondent every day brings trouble. Isn't that true? For the despondent, somebody that's closed off to God or not responding to the Holy Spirit every day brings trouble. The thing that they see is the trouble. They don't see the blessing. It's like what Jose was sharing about the ten lepers. The, the, the only one comes back and thanks Jesus for the healing. The despondent every day brings trouble. Maybe something else happened in their lives. You know, God, we experience healing from God, but we're going to get sick again. Something else. We're going to experience blessings from God, but there's also going to be trials that come up. But for the happy heart, the heart that is content, the heart that is grounded in the things of God and the promises of God, there's a continual feast. It's Thanksgiving. Every day. Every day is Thanksgiving. There's a continual feast going on. You know, I'm I'm hungry after Thanksgiving, you know? Especially the the next morning or the next day. It's almost more hungry. You stretch these stomach muscles and then they they shrink back and they feel more empty. You know, but for the happy in heart, there's a continual feast that goes on with God that you begin to see things like Caleb saw. They were opportunities for God to work. And then we come to Joshua. And Joshua in chapter 24, he is speaking these words and he winds up his speech, or the main part of his speech is this, Now fear the Lord and serve Him with all faithfulness. Throw away the gods your ancestors worship beyond the Euphrates River and in Egypt and serve the Lord. He's saying, look it, you have a choice to make. You can either worship the gods of your ancestors, continue to follow that way, or, or associate yourself with the gods of this land. Whatever you want to do. But as for me and my house, we're going to serve the Lord. But every person has to make a choice. And the choice of commitment that you make, everybody will make commitments here. Everybody makes commitments. You can't live life without making a commitment. But whether you will follow through on that commitment, whether that you will live with the Lord and in His joy, that is the challenge 
that we all have in our lives. You know, people get married, and I've married a lot of people. I've been, a, I've been the officiant at a lot of weddings. And everybody is committed at the wedding day. But then comes real life, right? And everybody usually is content on the honeymoon. But then comes real life. Then comes the commitment that you have to continue to make and the contentment to be with that person the rest of your life. And that's where we find real, real men and women of God that will, will hang in there, that will live their life in that way, committed and content with the man or the woman that they marry. There's so many uh, principles about commitment and contentment. But let me give you one more as we go into the New Testament. The Apostle Paul had a secret. And he reveals this secret of contentment because it flows out of his commitment that he has. His commitment to God. And then it flows into contentment. And he says there's a secret to contentment that I want you to be aware of. And he tells us what the secret is. I love it that the Apostle Paul tells us a secret to life and contentment. Aren't you? Tell your neighbor, yeah, I'm happy. I'm happy to hear that. Tell me the secret. I know what it is to be in need. I know what it is to have plenty. I've learned the secret of being content in any and every situation. Paul, are you kidding me? You know the secret to contentment in any and every situation? And if you look at Paul's life, he was in any and every situation. He was shipwrecked a number of times. He was whipped and beaten. He was thrown in prison. He's writing this letter from prison cell. That's probably cold and dark and smelly. And yet he's writing this letter stating that I found the secret to contentment. I can do all things through him who gives me strength. The secret for Paul's contentment was in his relationship with the living God through the power of the Holy Spirit It was not just a one-time commitment that he had made years ago when God struck him down when he was riding that horse. No, he continued on in this relationship and learned about contentment by trusting in God. He learned about contentment by trusting in God. And, you know, I'll tell you some of the hardest places to be content are in marriage, on the job, with a lousy boss, very hard to be content in that. In a church when there's conflict for a pastor, <coughs> it's got to be the worst place to be. I've been there. <coughs> there's, it's very hard to learn contentment, but that's where we learn it. We learn it in the hardest of places as you depend upon God. It's hard to be content when you're sick. It's hard to be content and at peace and saying I can do all things through Christ when you feel weak and sick I praise God for people that have pushed through struggles in their life Johnny Erickson Tata I don't know if you know her but she's a quadriplegic she's fighting her second battle with cancer even this week she has to go in for an operation to remove cancer 
that's reappeared in her life. But she says, you know what I did? When the doctor told me, I just lifted up my hand. She couldn't lift up her hands, but she said, I lifted up my heart, and I said, Lord, whatever, you're, whatever you want to do. She's learned the secret of being content. 51 years, quadriplegic. The Bible says this, true godliness with contentment is itself great wealth. It's not how much money is in our bank account. It's not the best school that we get into that's going to give us contentment. It's going to be our relationship with God, with the living God, that's going to bring us contentment. It's going to bring us peace. It's going to bring purpose into our life. After all, we brought nothing with us when we came into the world, and we can't take anything with us when we leave it. So if we have enough food and clothing, let us be content. Paul writes about contentment all the time in the Scripture. Why does he write about contentment? Because he's meeting people, so many people that are discontent with life. And he said, I've learned the secret of it. It's not in money. It's not in the job. It's not in the school. It's not even in the marriage. It's with God. But people who long to be rich fall into temptation. They're trapped by many foolish, harmful desires that plunge them into ruin and destruction. Why is Paul saying this? Because he's seen it happen to people. For the love of money is the root of all kinds of evil, and some people craving money have wandered away from the truth and have pierced themselves with many sorrows. Discontentment makes rich people poor. It does. Discontentment, it doesn't matter how much money, if you're discontent, you're going to be poor in spirit. While contentment can even make poor people rich. That's true. And that's what we've seen when we go on the mission field and you, the, all the testimonies are, why are people so happy when they have so little compared to what I have? And I always complain about my lot in life. Because our contentment isn't founded in Jesus. You know, Solomon making observations about life without God, a life without God in it, says this in Ecclesiastes 5.10, Whoever loves money never has enough. Whoever loves wealth is never satisfied with their income. This too is meaningless. And he's looking at life and he's looking at people living life without God. And he's saying, living life without God is meaningless. He's just making an observation. He writes about it in Ecclesiastes throughout the whole book of Ecclesiastes. But he's saying the person that fears God, that keeps his commandments, that follows him, his life is going to be full. How do we begin to develop this attitude of contentment or this sense of understanding that God is close to us, that he's with us in any stage in our life, even when we're going through difficult times? I believe that we have to begin by worshiping God, by praising him, by having in our hearts a promise. This is what Caleb had. He hung on to the promise of God and in another way, he hung on to the praises of God. He did both. He had an attitude of, of gratitude. There's a psychologist from Harvard, Sean Acker, 
who says that we can train our brains to be more grateful by setting aside just five minutes a day for practicing gratitude. And so what he did is he did a study, and he told people, I want you to write down three things every day, the same day, the same time of the day. I want you to write three things that you're thankful for. It can be anything. I'm thankful for the Chinese food that I had today or yesterday. I'm thankful for... um, being able to um, uh, go to work. Whatever it was, they would write three things that they had experienced, and they thanked God for those things. He did uh, one test with a, a group of people for one week. He did one test with a group of people for three months they did it. At the end of six months, they tested those people uh, psychologically They gave them a battery of tests, and they said that the people that had done it three months had a totally different attitude. They had a hope that was in their life that was even greater than they had before they took that test. And even the people that had did it for just one week, there was a remarkable difference in their attitude of how they saw life because they were thankful. Well, you know, Sean Aker discovered something that had been written in the Bible 2,000 years ago by the Apostle Paul, right? It's really about our relationship with God and having an attitude of praise and worship. And it can change and transform our minds, but it also can transform our lives and our hearts. So what do we do to discover the secret of contentment? And and, uh, the secret is that we have to discover the secret of commitment and contentment And we do that by worshiping God, by trusting Him. When things are going difficult, I can do all things through Christ who gives me strength. That's what the Apostle Paul did, and that's what we can do too. We can draw near to Him in prayer and in corporate worship or in times like we have today when we're reminded of the promises of God, we're reminded as we sing the songs or we hear the message that God is still in control we can learn again the secret of contentment. Achan missed it. Joshua, Rahab, Caleb, they got it. Paul discovered it. Will you and I discover that? Will we experience it? Not only discover it, but will we experience it? And to experience it, we have to make a commitment to have an attitude of gratitude or to have an attitude of seeing God at work in our lives, even in the everyday times of life. So many people are thinking that if I only had this better job, if I only could go to this better school, if I could only do something in the future, then I would be happy. But God says, no. I want to bless you right where you are right now with my very presence and my power. See, Paul got it even in a prison cell. Caleb got it even when he was fighting for somebody else's to bless them. He was blessed. And then live in it. Live in the Lord's provision and power and share this with others. Share the blessing with others. That's one of the things that the Apostle Paul had as well. He had this attitude of being able to share what he had experienced with others, the blessing of God, 
God's work in his life, he shared it with others and he began to do that. And, and as I was thinking about that, I said, yeah, that's, that's when life becomes most exciting. When we can bring somebody else into a place of experiencing God and knowing who God is. That's when life really gets exciting and our joy and our peace expands ever more and our soul expands even more. That's why I'm, I'm excited about uh, this uh, Alpha outreach that we're going to be doing in uh, February. I believe God can use it uh, to give us a chance to share the gospel with other people and to create a safe place for people to discuss the questions that they have in life, the big questions in life that they have, and they might discover that God is able to meet them right where they're at. Let's pray. Father, we thank you for uh, your word to us today. Lord, we ask that you would work in our lives. Lord, I pray that as we sometimes live in discontentment, would you awaken our soul to what we're really seeking after. Lord, would you steer our hearts towards you? Would you be the one that is the satisfaction for our soul? Waking our hearts again to love you, to have a greater love than we ever have before. That we can learn, like the Apostle Paul did, he learned the secret of contentment. That he could do all things through you who gave him strength. So Lord, have your way today. Speak to us as we worship you now. As we sing this song, Lord, cause us to have everything that's within our soul bless your name. We pray this in Jesus' name.